Welcome back to the courtroom of current events here on Peter's Proffer. We are going through something that almost everybody can relate with and that almost everybody deals with. If you own a car um, and you ever let anybody else drive it, this is something that's going to affect you. So sit back, listen up, and you may want to take some notes at the end. All right, we are in today to talk about a subject that not a lot of people will know the actual verbiage, but I'll explain it in layman's term. What do you do if somebody crashes your car or a car you own? Either you loan it to your friend, you loan it to a coworker, you loan it to your child, you loan it to an employee, or you buy a car for your child or an employee to use and they wreck it or they do something to create liability or damages on the part of somebody else. What do you do as the car owner slash business owner slash parent? That's what we're here talking about today. I've got Pete Sardis with me, and we're going to dive right in and talk about what is what is it called when you let somebody else use your car and they get into an accident? The term that you're talking about is called vicarious liability. And what that means is you, because of the simple fact that you own something called a dangerous instrumentality, i.e. in this set of circumstances, a car, uh, the fact that you've loaned it to somebody else and they've gotten in an accident, you are liable simply because you entrusted that vehicle to someone else. And it actually is true also since you gave the dangerous instrumentality verbiage. It's also um, works if you loan somebody your gun. It's the same thing. If you loan somebody that's that dangerous, you can be vicariously liable for what they do with your gun. Sure. Or any instrumentality that is dangerous that you loan to somebody else. In most cases, it's a car. So we're going to focus mostly on a motor vehicle today. So we'll talk about a couple different circumstances where vicarious liability comes into place. And the very important definition of vicarious liability is that you as the owner, did not do anything negligently yourself, meaning you weren't driving the car, you weren't operating the motor vehicle, you weren't telling them where to go, you had no negligence on your own part, but you are still liable vicariously, which means with the person that you loaned the vehicle, and you can still be liable for their actions. So what are some examples of how this comes up? Um, Well, you've pretty much said it. If you have something that you give to someone else, the fact that in and of itself can cause serious injuries to another person it's automatic you have there's no way to protect yourself from vicarious liability if you own it and you gave it somebody else or you loaned it somebody else and something bad happened you're on the hook for it okay so some examples of how that can happen if you own a company that uh you own your company owns all the trucks for an air conditioning company and they drive them around all day and they get into an accident while going to a client's house you are vicariously liable because they are your employee and the the legal term for that is respondeat superior. Um, If your uh, person is not driving within the scope of their employment and they're driving home for the night and they get into an accident, you are still vicariously liable because you or your company owns that vehicle. That's one of the big ones. Another one. Your kids. Um, If you as a parent have a vehicle that you provide for the use of your child. Even though you're not in the car, you have nothing to do with them going out, you're not driving, it doesn't matter. Because it is your vehicle and you've loaned that vehicle to someone else, it's the exact same elements, ladies and gentlemen. You're liable for that child's actions. Additionally, sometimes people will buy a car for a friend or for a girlfriend or for a boyfriend 
and the car will be in their name, but that other person that they bought it for will be the primary user of that car. Any injuries that that person causes, you are vicariously liable for. I um, had a friend in church this Sunday come up and ask me about uh, a car accident that his mother's vehicle was involved in. They have a caregiver for her, and the caregiver drove mom's car to go to the grocery store and wound up getting an accident. So his question to me is, is mom liable for this? The answer is simply yes. It's mom's car. Mom loaned it to the uh, um, to the the healthcare provider, and that healthcare provider got an accident. So yes, you are instantly liable because of vicarious liability. So one of the key factors with vicarious liability that we've been talking about is you are still liable even if you do not do anything wrong. That can easily transfer over into a different cause of action, which is called negligent entrustment, okay? Negligent entrustment, by its very name and nature, is a negligent act on your part. So that's the difference between vicarious liability and negligent entrustment, is you actually have some negligence if you are sued for negligent entrustment. And those scenarios are a little bit different. So that would be a situation where you know or should have known that the person you are letting drive or use your car or gun or in dangerous instrumentality has something in their background that should put you on notice that this is not a good idea. And that's the distinction between vicarious liability and negligent entrustment. You can have both causes of action. In other words, you can be vicariously liable and be negligently entrusting uh, somebody in the same set of facts. The difference is with vicarious liability, you don't have to know anything. But with negligent entrustment, you have to have something, some bit of information, some knowledge that demonstrates that the person that you loaned your insert dangerous instrumentality name here uh, should not or does not have the ability to utilize it. So, for instance, if you own a business and you do a background check, and one of your drivers has five DUIs, 10 speeding tickets, has been in seven at-fault accidents, that's putting you on notice that you probably shouldn't put that person behind the wheel of a car you own. Additionally, if you have a child who has 10 speeding tickets and multiple careless driving tickets, that's going to put you on notice if that child gets into a car accident that you are not only vicariously liable, but you have your own negligence by putting them behind the wheel of a car. So that's actually showing ways that you can know or should know about the dangerousness of the person that you are allowing to drive drive something that you own. So there's the clear kind of distinction. And the reason it's so important and the reason you'd always rather see vicarious liability being sued against you as opposed to uh, negligent entrustment is vicarious liability holds a cap. So Florida sets out the uh, statutes and the laws to protect a person somewhat Um, if they are not doing anything wrong and the only bad decision they ever made was letting someone borrow their car. In Florida, you have two designations and there's two different discussions you can have. The first is, does the person that borrowed your car have their own insurance? If the answer is yes, do they have half a million dollars of insurance? Uh, Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, most people driving around the state of Florida do not have half a million dollars of insurance. So what happens? If the person you loan your car to has a half a million dollars worth of insurance, you are capped at exposure of $100,000. If the person you loaned your car to doesn't have insurance or doesn't have a half a million dollars of insurance, then you got a problem. 
then you're liable up to an additional $500,000 worth of insurance. But in reality, no matter what the insurance, the person that's driving your car has, you still have a cap of $100,000. That's not going away. The more terrible part and more frightening part is if they don't have any insurance or they have very little insurance, that's $100,000 plus $500,000. So your liability is actually $600,000 whether or not you have insurance for it. So if you only have 100 policy and you only have 100,000 in insurance, you can still be liable for that additional 500,000 if the person driving your car does not have car insurance of up to 500,000. So that's what we call a statutory cap. And vicariously liable defendants have that cap of $600,000 or $100,000 depending on the situation. Now, if you get sued for negligent entrustment, There is no cap. You are liable for whatever the damages are that your negligence in entrusting that dangerous instrumentality to somebody else is. However big they are, you're on the hook for them. So that's a very big distinction because you always want to have a cap to limit your liability in these types of situations, especially if there is some kind of fatality or severe injury that is a result of this car accident. So we're telling you all the bad news. Now we're going to tell you exactly what you need to do as either a business owner, a car owner, a parent, what you can do in order to protect yourself from this negligent entrustment. There's nothing you can do for vicarious liability. If you're going to let people drive cars that you own, you're going to open yourself up to vicarious liability. Nothing you can do about that. But there is a lot you can do to protect yourself from negligent entrustment. First things first, ladies and gentlemen, know who it is that you are loaning your insert dangerous instrumentality here. Um, You don't know how many people would just be totally out of this problem if they wouldn't loan dangerous things to other people without being certain that whatever it is you're loaning them, the person you're loaning it to actually understands how to use. For example, do not loan your 16-year-old kid a your your 18-wheeler. They don't know how to operate it. They don't have the experience. Just don't give it to them. Same thing with letting the neighbor borrow the chainsaw. Do they know how to use this thing or are they going to uh, lop off somebody else's limb? You don't know, don't loan it to them. Okay, so that's going to fall under the proper training section. Make sure that the people you're letting use the dangerous instrumentality that you own, most of the time it's going to be cars, trucks, some kind of motor vehicle. Make sure they actually have experience using that type of motor vehicle or if they don't, put them through a training session or a training period of time to where they learn how to use it. For instance, we have a lot of business owners that um, have... Uh, beds that they carry or uh, gooseneck trailers or whatever that they're carrying behind their work trucks and some of them have no experience carrying that amount of weight while they're driving and they don't put them through any training or or anything like that and they just get them out on the roads they get into accidents and now you're not only vicariously liable but you're also uh, on the hook for negligent entrustment so make sure you put them through proper training Um, The next one is if you have employees or friends even that you are going to buy a car for, do a background check, pull up their driver's license, see what their ticket and criminal situation is before you open yourself up to the liability of negligent entrustment. Next, keep tabs on the people that you actually are letting use your, your, your vehicles and whatever else you may have. What that means is, all right, you hired the guy, you did a background check, you can't just stop and forget it at that point. At every what we consider regular interval, a year, six months, whatever it is, you need to make sure that you're updating the information just in case because you never know which one of your employees is going to get a DUI the weekend before and all of a sudden they're driving your vehicle with a suspended driver's license and you very well may be on the hook for that. And that's the other thing that we didn't even mention before I don't think is 
even if they don't have a bunch of speeding tickets or a bunch of DUIs, if they're driving on a suspended license and you should know that, or driving without a driver's license because we have a lot of undocumented people here that are working for companies and driving their trucks, you are going to be on the hook because you should not have let, let them drive without a proper driver's license. So one last element of protecting yourself is the amount of insurance that you have might not be enough. And there are some ways that you can um, kind of couch yourself in extra insurance. And I'll let Pete talk about that. Yeah, there are a number of different ways you can actually set up your insurance policies to protect you from uh, the negligent, actually the vicarious liability aspects. Truth be told, the uh, negligent entrustment, depending on how bad the damages are, very well may put you in a bad position. But the reality is this. Most, and I say most because I'm not an insurance agent, Insurance policies indicate that if you have a quarter of a million dollars in auto insurance, you can get a million dollar umbrella. And I'm not going to tell you specifics, but it's cheap. It's it's not a lot of money. As long as you have that 250 auto coverage, you can get yourself an additional million or two million on top of that. That covers the vast majority of us. And, uh, and those umbrella policies, which is what they're called, are designed to kind of kick in if you're in a position where your um, auto liability carrier is does not have sufficient policy limits. And really, we're speaking to the business owners out there because you should have way more than 250 on your auto insurance policy, which should allow you to get an umbrella policy, which further protects yourself or insulate, insulates you personally from any issues you may have. Additionally, if you're a family that has three, four kids who, who you bought cars for, you're going to need to up your insurance policy because you're going to need to be protected because there is that much more of a chance that somebody that's driving a car you own does something catastrophically bad and you need to be protected from that. And, and back to the business owners, there are corporate entities that you can engage in, LLCs, corporations, that at least limit your liability personally. I, again, you know, you're better off having the liability be on a company that potentially may or may not be collectible to the total extent of the policy uh, or of the damages. So the best way in recap to protect yourself is to make sure you have proper training for whoever's using something that you own. Make sure you do background checks where it's possible. Make sure you're keeping tabs on everybody that's driving or using something that you own. And then get more insurance because you can never have enough insurance in these types of situations to protect yourself from something that could go wrong and something that's unforeseen. Um, So we hope everybody enjoyed the podcast today. We hope you learned something and we'll be back with you next time.